Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 39 for Wednesday, September 12th. I'm Alex Uwe here today with Ray Estrada and Farbod Markazi. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty great. Um, pretty excited to talk about some of the things today, especially because they've got the Angels in them. So yeah. Yeah, and you have not been with us in a little while, but a lot has okay, happened like, since then. Uh, I don't feel as bad about, I was about to say it feels like forever since I've been on one, but I don't feel as bad because I feel like we haven't been on one in a, in a little bit too either. Yeah, We've and, and lots, a lot's changed. My voice is very deep and sickly you right hit, now, you... so, you know, there's there's that. I don't know, anything, anything new with you guys? <laughs> uh, um, does anyone know how to move into a house if you do hit my line no that's not something people actually do nope yeah so yeah, let's <laughs> let's go ahead and, and start talking about your boy Shohei who uh is basically as expected at the start of the year dominating the headlines but not for reasons that we, we want are. him to some of them are good reasons and then there's one really not so good reason uh, he is going to need Tommy John's surgery to repair his torn UCL. But when is, you know, still up for debate. It's probably going to happen in the offseason because since this has been announced, I think he's been the best player in baseball or the best hitter in baseball. He um, he won player of the week. I think that's the <laughs> third time he's won player of the week if i'm not mistaken right i thought it was the second but the second? I, I'll, okay. I'll take the third um but when you're looking at shohei it, uh, tommy john wise my my overall look at it is whether you're an angel fan or just a baseball fan or anyone who's looking at the situation how long is a normal tommy john recovery if he got it what when he first when he even like if he didn't get that stem cell in his elbow the first time in in June, he would have still been out till probably now next year I believe, and even then the Angels may have been slow to bring him back, or maybe not even brought him back till the year after. What's the difference if if he is clear to hit? What's the difference in giving in letting him have Tommy John right now versus at the end of uh, in the off season? Well, that's another big point that you brought up there that, you know, you kind of glossed over is that if he does have Tommy John surgery as soon as the season ends, I believe he will be able to hit next season while recovering from Tommy John surgery. I believe that's yes. what reports have shown, which is pretty insane. We've never seen anything close to that. There's no precedent for it. We didn't really know what, you know... Tommy John surgery would mean for a player who's essentially two players. So, you know, now, now I'm we interested just have to, to see, see how that would happen. How it develops. Obviously. It seems, you know, every time we talk about him or, you know, look at what he's doing, we, I fear for the worst. I think a lot of people fear for the worst injury wise, like the angels should not be doing this. This There's no way this can be good for the human body to be putting that much stress on oneself when it's already, you know, Torn, torn, and in, into pieces, See, literally torn to pieces. So, that's where I'm. That's what I'm like. My only concern is, okay, yes, the top doctors in baseball have cleared him to hit, but 
I just feel weird. I, I, it's weird seeing, thinking about having something torn in a body and, or like recovering in a body and putting him up against, even as a DH, putting him up against major league um, pitching. I don't know if it would be every day. It'd probably still be on a regular basis next year, but that's still a lot on the body. And I don't know how much that's going to hinder recovery, how it slows recovery, but I hope it, it, as they, as the doctors are saying, that it won't have an effect on his recovery. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, real quick, anybody want to guess what Shohei Otani's OPS was last week when he won Player of the Week? Mm, 1.203. Ray, what about you? I'd go 1, 2, 3, 4. His OPS last week was 1.828. His, his slugging percentage. <laughs> the, yep. His slugging percentage was 1263. I think That's his slugging percentage really was higher than today. what both of you guessed his OPS was last week. So uh, yeah. that's pretty good. And um, yeah, I'm actually surprised. The player that was second last week was Kevin Kiermeyer, who I, apparently is doing amazing things for the Rays. But um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. So staying on the, uh, the theme of torn UCLs, it's all the rage these days, as you know. You forgot about um, the conversation. What, with Shohei and being Rookie of the Year? Yeah. Well... Is he? Because I want to have that conversation with you guys. Okay, well, let me uh, let me get to these first other notes that are adjacent to this, and then we'll talk about Shohei because he matters more than either of these players. Um, yes. Straight up. So Michael Kopech had an electric major league run that lasted all of three starts or whatever. It was not even that good of a stretch, actually. In his last start before announcing that he needed the surgery, he gave up seven earned runs, something like that. But the, uh, the hardest-throwing prospect in the game is done for a while. And he's not a two-way player. You won't see Michael Kopech hitting next year. Darn so, uh, bye, Michael Kopech. It was nice knowing you. And then Sean Manaya also, uh, the only A's starting pitcher, is going <laughs> to be missing all of the 2019 season as well. So the A's are going to have uh, to roll into next season with, basically nothing in terms well, of starting pitching okay so with these two guys the a's in particular it's just like the a's are really good at being the a's and well said yeah I, like there's i don't know how to describe it it's with all due respect to a guy like trevor cahill or a guy like edwin jackson they were never supposed to be successful major league starters this year i but they're doing it. I mean, like the A's are being the A's, and yes, it sucks a lot not having Manaya. But I don't. I just don't know what to make of the A's. Maybe like the A's will be the A's, and Manaya will come back tomorrow or something. No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I that's don't think that's take. how that news works. Um, no, no. <laughs> the big thing about the A's, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think Edwin Jackson, Mike Fires, or Trevor Gayhill, they haven't been necessarily good. Or not, they've been solid enough, but the bullpen is the strength of the A's pitching staff, which is why they're winning a lot of games. Yeah, and okay. also they have. But they they games. have been Mike Fires and Trevor Cahill especially Mike have Fires, been very good. Yeah, Fires has been good since they've gotten there. Oh, and those three names there. that you mentioned, th- that's it. That's all the starters. 
There's no more. That's it. I mean, with Trevor Cahill, it's like he started out his career as a pretty decent starting pitcher, then started freaking out. And then in 2016, he had a pretty good run with the Cubs as a reliever, in the, especially in the playoffs, too. So I was like, oh, maybe he's going to be a good reliever. But all of a sudden, he's a successful major league starter again for the A's. Yeah, how about I'm confused. That? I'm confused. I think one of my favorite little fun facts that I pulled up, um, you know, since this news about Manaya and all this other developments, is that um, the A's and the Rays combined have six pitchers listed as starters on their depth chart, and they, this season, are combined, I believe, 167 and 121. 166 and <laughs> 121. Oh, no, because games happened yesterday. They're now 167 and 122. That's insane. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Rays equally as impressive in my mind to to what the A's are doing. But, uh, yeah, so that was just something I wanted to touch on. Uh, we might return to it in a, in a little bit when we start talking a little bit more about division races and whatnot. Um, but let's, let's return to that, that conversation that you wanted to have about Shohei Otani and let's, let's go ahead and have some fun. Let's make the rookie of the year case. Let's make an MVP case for Shohei Otani. I'll make, I'll make the rookie of the year case for, um, Otani, but I just, I, I want to hear what you, who you guys think is front runner right now for rookie of the year. Yeah. Shohei Otani. Otani. You're, yeah, you're a Yankee fan. You're not going. You're not going. Um, well, I mean, I'm very happy with the Yankees rookies right now, but I'm not stupid. Shohei Otani's been insane. Yes, I'm okay. I don't have to yell at you as much. Um, <laughs> well, okay. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Never mind. I want to. I want to hear you. Uh, want to hear you go off on me? Yeah, Miguel Andujar is the rookie of the year, man. Fight me, Gleber Torres and Miguel Andujar are gonna split it. <laughs> they're gonna split it. They're gonna one's gonna take half half. Well, I think honestly, oh, I mean, if you if you're even thinking about Otani, first of all, you look at Otani, the the um, multi the pitcher hitter. He no one's done done that before in baseball. Obviously, that's the first thing people say. He he's like you look at his overall regular um, just the basic stats. He had 63 Ks, 51 innings. In, with a three one three three one ERA, that's that that's pretty good. He but he also had pitching wise, he had the lowest contact percentage of any pitcher, um, lower than Chris Sale right. Uh, even though he did only have ten starts, but I want to give you a little bit comp and dive in a little deeper, comparing Otani and Andujar. Mm-hmm. Go uh, for it, Otani. Uh, Otani has 240 plate appearances less than Andujar, but he has 19 home runs, 54 RBIs. Andujar has 23 home runs and 79 RBIs. If you put Otani, if you give and- Otani Andujar's at bats at this point of the year, he would have been on pace for 34 home runs and 98 RBIs today. Hmm. He ha- he has a 164 weighted runs created plus. Um, Andujar is 127. Um, his hard hit rate is way bigger. Way way better than Andujar. It's it's his WAR is double that of Andujar. It's it's just not 
close hitting wise, even though even though people say Andujar's is better, his walk rate is a 10.8 percent. Andujar's a 4.3. Um, if you want to get even deeper in the stats, um, <clears throat> Otani's hitting 364 um, against the shift. Andujar's hitting 228 against the shift. And Andujar's a righty. Yeah, against the shift, <laughs> they still shift on him. It's not the same. Yeah, um, so if you, if you, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. If you want to just look at the 294, 375, 595, that's Otani, 298, 331, 521 for Andujar. The only thing that's better right there for Andujar is the four points extra batting average. Uh, I don't see right now a case where Otani shouldn't win, but maybe it's the haters saying he didn't pitch enough, but they're not realizing what he means to the game right now. He didn't even need the pitching numbers to do it, so, you know, no. to make the case that he's making right now. Um, yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Andujar. I, I think no, he just, I, I think he just hit his 40th. I'm very happy with it. I think he just production. hit his 40th double of the season in the last couple of days. That's insane. I'll take that. Yeah. But uh, we were comparing the wrong two players, by the way, in the AL Rookie of the Year race. Um, the real question is: Is Shohei Otani going to win it over Joey Wendell, who is worth zero point, who is worth zero point one more F WAR than Shohei Otani this year? Doodling WAR? No, total overall. Oh. So. Interesting. Make your case. Aha. I uh, I didn't look into that part, but I can. <laughs> I mean, your your case. I still doesn't... think I I still think either way. You look at Otani's. Uh, season overall and see what he's done and he's been the first guy since Babe Ruth to do anything he's done and that alone should put him at front runner yeah it's it was not a hard case to make I was just uh, yeah. yanking your chain um, so yeah Shohei Otani probably not in the, the running for the MVP this year so we'll see going forward but um hey you know, at least the, he wasn't sent down by July like Rudy said well, I think he's been two months in AAA. Thinking oh. positive. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the team that has two of the AL MVP candidates. Oh, God. Or, or maybe more. I don't know. Uh, that would be the Red Sox, who are really just not fair, is the, uh, the best way to describe them <laughs> at this point. They are now 99 and 46 which is uh, good enough to clinch them a playoff spot. So they've got a lot of contributors. A couple of them are doing a little bit more than others, but really it has been everybody. It's, it's unbelievable. They're outfield, man, for years to come. But J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts are probably the two AL MVP front runners. There's a few more names you can throw in there as well. But make a case for... For which one of them is, you know, more deserving, and then, you know, if there's anything else just about the stupidity that is the Red Sox right now. I I mean, Ray, I don't know if you want to go, but I can make a case for JD. I was gonna make a case for Betts. Ah, oh, perfect, so. fun. Okay, ding so ding, you want fight. Go? Um, just kind of off the top of my head right now, Betts. I don't think Mar- Martinez is close in average for the Triple Crown. I think 
the only chance Martinez has is to win the Triple Crown, and that might get him the MVP. But Betts has the advantage of being more of an everyday defender. Martinez is a primary DH. Um, I think Betts doing what he's doing at the top of the lineup um, and playing fantastic defense, I think that gives the edge to Betts in my, in my mind. Okay. So this is where, I, where I'm at with J.D., um, at this point last year, on this day last year, the Red Sox had 82 wins. Over the offseason, they didn't make too many moves, and none, none really major other than J.D. Their lineup's been the same other than J.D. They had 82 wins last year. I'm not saying J.D.'s been worth 17 wins, but that alone, he's second in home runs with 40. He's second in, in average with 331. He's... First, um, with in RBIs with 121. I think when you're talking about MVP, that's that is the most valuable player. And when you're looking at the difference in the Red Sox team from last year to this year, and how this one bat, obviously there's been, like I said, there's been a couple small moves, but with this one bat in that lineup, that makes him the most valuable player, not only for the Red Sox but for that um, for the league. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think you got to look at other guys who have improved as around JD Martinez. JD Martinez wasn't the only thing that changed about the Red Sox numbers. Um, just looking at Mookie Betts, his average has jumped from 264 last year to 340 this year, on base from 344 to 432, uh, slugging 459 to 629. That is a 200 uh, point jump, just about in OPS for Mookie Betts at the top of the lineup. He has 29 home runs, 71 RBIs at the top of the lineup. Um, I, I think, and that's just one guy. I can look at other guys, see if they've in, improved. I, I think saying J.D. Martinez was the one big thing that got the Red Sox ridiculous this year is uh, lacking context. Well, with, like I said, I didn't. I don't think he's um, 17 wins, and I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge the fact that players have improved, but I'm saying that this is the big piece that the Red Sox didn't have last year that have made him this made made them this um this great a team uh going right right now so I, I think I think when you're looking at him obviously him being the full-time DH do, does hurt him with bets having the um, value on the defensive side and I do see the likelihood of him winning it uh, bets winning it, unless uh, I do, <clears throat> sorry, I do see the likelihood of Martinez's best chance winning it if he got the triple crown. But I still think Martinez has been the most valuable player to that team. Ah uh, yes, 2018, and we're still looking at the triple crown as a as an end all be all type of stat for winning the MVP. Throwback hey, to I throwback to Miguel nightmares. Cabrera. Yeah, I still have. <laughs> you of all people should should know better by now. Farvod, come on. But seriously, you don't even. I'm. I'm not. You know, I'm not a fan of team context in the MVP case whatsoever. I think the numbers will speak for themselves, and I think the context is, you know, there to supplement that. But JD Martinez, you know, is is a masher, and then Mookie Betts has been even better. Mookie Betts has been probably the best player in baseball, hands down, all around. And then you have Mike Trout, who's also sitting there like, hi, I'm also looking for uh, a top two MVP finish again. Uh, where do I sign up? 
and Mike Trout's he's doing of... that. He's doing that with a 190 WRC plus, which is you know leading baseball by the way, and he's doing that. You know he's got you know numbers that compared to Mookie Betts are more or less right on par, just a little less flashy in some ways, and you know some in batting average or in um, you know the. I don't even know. Like he's got more homers than him. His on base percentage is four sixty four. Mike Trout's is, which is, you know, wake up people. That's an insane on base percentage. It's thirty points higher. It's more than thirty points higher than Mookie Betts even. And I remember that's worth last, something. I remember last year at this time we were talking about Mike Trout's MVP case, even though he missed a month with that wrist injury. And we were talking about how since the last uh, since since May or April he had only two or three um, over games completely without getting on base at all, and it's crazy to see that he's gotten better. I'm I've, I'm very happy to have him on my, on my team, but I also feel very guilty. Everybody needs to stop sleeping on Mike Trout because I, I love what the Red Sox are doing. This is stupid. Mike Trout with, needs to with, be at the top with Mookie Betts, if not, you know, alone at the top. With, it's it's him and Betts. It shouldn't be Martinez and Betts even at this point. I think um, Trout has slipped into not the same thing that LeBron James has on the NBA side where people are so used to him putting up the same level or better level, like just an insane level of production that – they don't notice it as much, but I think a lot of it has to do with just the Angels not being a competent team and not getting that much attention. Like, like you said, people need to wake up. I think I'm very happy with my job. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and by the way, credit where credit is due. There's a couple Cleveland Indians on here that deserve a very fair look at the MVP as well. Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. Who, um, you know, Jose Ramirez has cooled down since the last time we had an MVP <laughs> discussion. Francisco Lindor has 34 home runs, which is something I never thought I would see, and also plays A plus defense at shortstop. So, I mean, more guys to consider. Alex Bregman, also, yeah. right in the thick of it, too. Extra American base League's hits, pretty good. He's an extra base hits machine. And he has been versatile for the Astros, you know, on both sides of the ball. His on-base percentage is up at 400 now, which is, he's just made incredible strides. I'm so impressed by what Alex Bregman is doing, too. All I'm, all I'm going to say is that I was watching MLB Network earlier this week, and they were discussing Trevor's story, who we're going to talk about later, I think. Um, but um, maybe not. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about, about him now. <laughs> they were talking about Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, and they were saying, who's who's the MVP of the National Like, which one of these guys has the best chance of winning the MVP of the National League? And they're saying how it's obviously never a bad thing when it's you don't know if this guy's the MVP of the National League because you don't know if he's the MVP of the own, of your own team. That's kind of what the Red Sox are going like have right now obviously trout's in there and the guys you mentioned but it's never a bad thing but with martinez bets you don't know um like when you don't know shoot i lost my train of thought you don't know um 
And when you don't know who's the MVP of your own team, it's it's kind of hard and insane to think about who who's the MVP of the of the of the league. Yeah. Well, you brought up Trevor Story. Let's talk about Trevor Story and let's talk about the National League. Since we're on the MVP discussion train, why not? It's again the disparity between the American League and National League is just the Mariners stupid. Mariners in the playoffs. So, yeah. So Trevor Story, <laughs> first of all, went off last week. Also, didn't win Player of the Week, but had a three homer game, in which I think he hit like a a million feet worth of home run distance at Coors Field. He had a 500-foot-plus home run to go along with a couple other 450-plus-foot homers in one game. He had the, he had he set the StatCast record, didn't he, with that 500? Oh, it must be. Yeah. I think he beat Stanton it, by a foot. It was, it was one foot by Stanton. It was 505 versus 504, yeah. I think. I'm sure he set the record for the most home run distance in a single game also in the StatCast era. Don't know who would have hit more. That it, maybe, it maybe was Scooter Jeanette, just in terms of quantity. Um, oh, quantity. I mean, just total distance. I don't know. This is not important. But uh, Trevor Story is legitimately inserted himself into the MVP discussion. You know, Nolan Arenado supposed to be the the Rockies MVP, and he still kind of is. He's been worth more. He's probably a better defender, you could say. And the, the overall numbers are still probably favoring Arenado, but Trevor Story's making it close, and he's definitely been one of the best shortstops in the game this year. I think he, he's the first shortstop in MLB history to hit 40 doubles, uh, 30 home runs, and 25 stolen bases. That's, but can he pitch? Well, there you go. Shohei Otani. league Right. But, um, <laughs> competing against him. <laughs> Looking at the rest of the NL race, you know, there there are legitimate... The top two players in F4 are both Brewers, and that's Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. I think Yelich is the most legitimate contender there. Then you have Matt Carpenter, you have Javier Baez. You can maybe make an argument for Paul Goldschmidt. But the fact is that all of these guys at the top of it here, I'm, I'm using fan graphs today, um, are all just over five five to five and a half wins above replacement. And then you go and look at the American League side of this and you say, wait, that that's not even close. There's there's six players in the American League that have at least an entire win of value more than anybody in the National League. Matt Chapman has 6.4 wins above replacement. And Christian Yelich, who's an... NL MVP frontrunner is at 5.4. The disparity is incredible in terms of the standings, in terms of just the, the way the players have been performing. Uh, I guess the only saving grace is that the National League down the stretch is going to be much more fun to watch with so many teams still in the thick of the races. So good for you, National League, in terms of preserving competitive balance. But my God, the American League is just stacked. I, I hope the World Series is a landslide for the American League. I don't even care who it is at this point. Just to send the message that Half National League needs to get good. So, uh, yeah, that's that was my, my little piece about this. I feel like I've talked about this every single time we've podcasted in the last couple months. But it's, it's worth being said. This whole podcast is a bunch of rants. It's okay. Well, yeah. 
how long have you been here? That's that's exactly what this is. Uh, uh, how about we rant about something that um, I think everybody, all baseball fans, are a little bit up in arms about this, but that's Jacob Degrom getting absolutely zero support from his team, but having a historic season nonetheless. And I personally love this. I feel I feel for the guy. Don't get me wrong, but I pers- I love what's happening with Jacob Degrom in terms of the historical context of everything. Uh, so he just lost a game to the Marlins by throwing, I believe, seven innings of one of two-run baseball, striking out nine. Uh, you know, pretty pretty awful outing for him, and that extended his ongoing streak of 26 consecutive starts of three earned runs or fewer, which is an MLB record that has been around for over 100 years, no big deal. Also his 21st consecutive quality start, which is just as impressive a stat in my opinion. So let's go ahead. He's the MVP. He's the MVP of both leagues. Let's give it to him. So Ray, let's check in on the, uh, the Jacob deGrom win versus wins above replacement tracker um go ahead and tell us where we're at now so if you go by fangrass war he has a 7.1 war as of right now what i'm looking at but if you go to baseball reference his war outpaces his win total by half a game eight and a half according to baseball reference so um I mean, either way you look at it, whether he's trailing his win total by about one or ahead of it by half a game, um, Jacob DeGrom is having a fantastic season, and he is getting zero support from his team. Is he even the Cy Young? He, he very well has an argument with a one seven one ERA and just completely dominant starts one seven one ERA with a, with a 2.0 FIP. So it's not anything... Yeah, it's, it's, it is not fluky at all. <laughs> it is domination. He has had the most unlucky season for somebody as dominant as himself, as I think is humanly possible. I mean, you kind of just have to give him props for staying professional and not laughing. Or, like, not not going crazy on the Mets, because, Jesus. <laughs> did any of you see this the story about... I don't even know what it's from. I saw a headline that was saying that... In the past, Jacob Degrom had used to be kind of a hothead as a kid, and he's like pushed his sister out out of a window and like thrown pine cones at his cousin just for like random things. I'm, at was, least he didn't. I don't. I don't. I did not look tweet. into the uh, the validity of this. Apparently, sourced from from Degrom in some way, but um, I find that hilarious because if there was ever a time to huck huck a pine cone at somebody, it would be at at your batters for, for not putting up any run support. And at this point in his life, a pi- throwing a pine cone at somebody's head would be death from D- Jacob deGrom. So it's a good thing he got over that one. Um, yeah, but Max Scherzer is another person that I wanted to mention who is, is right there as well in terms of just complete and utter dominance. Not to discount you know what deGrom's doing, but uh, Max Scherzer earlier on in the season was on a historic strikeout pace and is still not necessarily slowed down in that regard. He's still striking out more than 12 batters per nine. And yeah, it's it, that's a fun stat, right? Uh, 
a two three one ERA is nothing to slouch about. You know, I think Degrom still has the edge just because of those ridiculous numbers. But Scherzer, right there too. So, I mean, I think I think Uwe and I can feel the pain of Degrom by from our high school team. So, well, yes, I think everybody everybody not, feels it a little bit. Anybody who's ever it's played not this game as feels bad. It. Yeah, I've never played a season, a full season of, of this kind of nonsense. So, yeah, that's that's the Jacob Degrom update. We'll we'll see if it remains that way going into uh, the next couple weeks here. Um, another I thing. I actually kind of sorry. I actually kind of blame me. It's your fault. Okay, it's your fault. Oh, do you remember? Do you remember my prediction about the Mets starting pitching? No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you jinxed, you jinxed them big Four time. Four guys would have fifteen wins. Harvey's gone. I think specifically you said it would be Harvey, Matts, Degrom, Syndergaard. Wait, now I now I have to check if they have even combined for fifteen wins. <laughs> I, I I they probably have, but uh, now I need to check this. But we'll continue. I remember I piggybacked on it and said Harvey wouldn't be with the Mets by the end of the season, and I was right. You were right. Let's let's continue on here. Let's talk about Juan Soto. Because he's a guy that we should talk about all the time as well. Max Scherzer's teammate. Yes, good, excellent transition, Farbode. But uh, he just passed Ken Griffey Jr. for most, not most home runs by teenager. He passed him on the the teenager home run list. I think Soto is still somewhere like fourth on that list. Yeah, he's which fourth. Is insane to me. I guess there's a lot of players back in the day playing through much more of their teenage years, but. Juan Soto's having one of the best teenage and rookie seasons out there. That was just worth mentioning. Anything else to say about Soto? Or uh, he he does have a record as a teenager, three multi-home run games um, this season, obviously all as a teenager, so that is a MLB record for Juan Soto. Well, there you go. How about that? Um, well, so that was Bryce Harper. He's better than him. He's better than Bryce Harper? That is a hot he's take, but telling, I'm not, we're not going to debate that. He's probably telling Bryce Harper that. I never said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Juan Soto is like 30 years old, so it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, of course, for, for anybody that's completely Secretly. sensitive to this. Uh, we are going to play stat game today. I didn't mention that earlier. That's something I normally yeah. like to mention earlier. But we're going to do that and then end off the show, basically. We're so, gonna end so, off nobody, with so, some, so nobody knew to stick around. With some competitive spirit. I know, right? Everybody's gone by now. Everybody yeah. would have stayed if they knew stat game. Make sure you stick happening. around for stat game. <laughs> yeah, be sure to stick around for stat game right now. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and uh, – well, Ray, you're going to be leading this one for us, so why don't you go ahead and get things going? All right, so the classic matchup, Uwe versus Farbode, which Farbode always says he won't do well in and then does well in. Um, and then Uwe ends up complaining for some reason. Wait, um, what? What? No. <laughs> What? Uh, was not a I've qualified never, pitcher. I've never <laughs> protested stat game. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, let's get it started. First five categories. Uh, center percentage. The, the highest, the hitters who hit it the highest percent, highest percentage of balls to the middle of the field. Okay, um, so, all right. you can go first. All right, all right. Players who hit the ball at the middle, basically. Good old, yeah. good old high school ball. Hit the ball up the middle. Good things happen. Anything um, else that isn't in the middle of the field is a garbage hit. Yeah, that that approach. Um, that is a difficult one. 
I am going to guess Christian Yelich. Hey, that was mine. Hey, he's 18. Get out of here. Cool, I made the list. Uh, <laughs> um, um, Mike Trout. Mike Trout. He is not in the top 30. Haha. So, who cool. gets this one? Um, also, wait, Ahmed, real, real quick, just to follow up on the uh, the Mets core four, it was four pitchers, right? Their win, their yeah overall win total. Um, it is more than that because it's Noah Syndergaard and you know he he actually wins games. So wait, was Zach Wheeler on that list? I don't even remember. I thought Harvey was. It was. Was it Harvey? Zach Wheeler was not on your list, right? If it was Syndergaard, Degrom, Mats, and no. and Harvey then they have combined for 24 wins. So it's more than more than 15, but still. Uh, continue with the hey. stat game. Yeah, so Yelich 18th, uh, Trout not on the top 30, so he gets a point. Uh, Ahmed Rosario leads that, leads that uh, stat with uh, 42% of his batted balls going up the middle. Half a, percent, half a percent behind is DJ LeMahieu, followed by Ian Desmond, Gene Segura, and then Jose Altuve. Cool. So, again, Uwe gets a point, early lead. We'll see how that lasts. Uh, let's move on to pitchers. Um, left on base percentage for pitchers. So which pitcher leaves the most amount of uh, runners on base? Base percentage. It is Farbo's turn. Um, any pitcher? Any pitcher, I will give you a hint. They are all starters on the top of the list, so uh, on the top thirty. So don't guess a reliever. <laughs> Chris Sale. He's fourth. He is fourth. That is. He, he leaves eighty-three and a half percent of runners on. This is one that I feel like I should know. This is one that, as a fantasy baseball player, I should definitely know. But here I am talking about how I should know it and not knowing it. Not knowing it. Um, three pitchers. Three pitchers. Well, let's. Shoot, I am. I'm blanking hard right now. I guess I should just go with a uh, a different good pitcher, Max Scherzer. <laughs> um, Max Scherzer is fifth. So right I lost by one. So okay. you lost by one spot. In fact, point two percent percentage points wow um the three pitchers in front of chris sale uh blake snell leads the major leagues with 87 percent of runners left on base see that's one i should have known because i definitely remember that note from the all-star break anyway but mike fires is second um 84.9 percent justin verlander is third 84.2 percent sailor scherzer degrom granke freeland nola and chase anderson round out the top 10 Hey, that's A's ace, Mike Fires, to you, sir. I didn't say anything about him. I just said Mike Fires, too. Okay. Well, I said Fires. Yeah, but you said it with attitude. No. All right, let's, All right. let's keep let's, going. Let's go, let's go with a simpler one. Let's move on to fielding. Uh, just who has the most errors this year? Uh, oh, it's me. It I, your I'm gonna guess. I'm going to guess Trevor Story. Might not be remotely right uh trevor story is not in the top 30 oh good for trevor story his mvp case grows so i have to guess anyone 
Anyone uh-huh. in the top 30 and you get this point. Is it Simeon? Marcus Simeon is second. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. I thought his uh, defense had tw- improved. <laughs> he has 20 years I on the season. He improved. Well, no, it, it has. Let's 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 give the guy some credit. I mean, originally, I remember when it was. I don't know what the I, problem. I, is. I mean, for, for what it's worth, his fielding percentage well, is 967, but in terms of counting errors, he has 20. Yeah, he gets which to is a, tied for second. You know, it's the whole. He gets to a lot more balls than than other players would. So there's that. Yeah. But, I mean, all right. Let's. All right. I'm losing. Let's continue yeah. this. Let's. Let me die in peace. Well, before we move on, Devers leads that ca- Devers leads that category with 22 errors. Oh, Simeon Peraza at 20. Iwan Makanda at 18. Segura, Tim Anderson, and Matt Chapman all with 17 errors. Um, so Farbod can pull it out of his backside again with a just one more category taken. Uh, this one is ground ball percentage for relievers. So relievers with the highest ground ball percentage, and Farbod goes. First on this one. We're getting obscure out here. I like my obscure stats. The the but the um 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 Jim Johnson. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Oh, he's a starter today, but he's an opener. Um, Jim Johnson is not on the top thirty. What about top sixty? No, I'm not gonna check that until Louie gives a guess. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, old reliable in terms of ground ball rate. Brad Ziegler. Ding ding ding! Number one. Hey, there we go. Brad Ziegler gets a ground ball 71.7 percent of the time. Scott Alexander, the Dodgers, 70.1 percent. T.J. McFarland, the Diamondback, 67.9. Jared Hughes of the Reds, 65.4. Kevin McCarthy at the Royals, sixty-three point four percent. Awesome. None that of those players matter, top, but that's that's awesome. Five. I got one. Yeah. So. Um, All right, we tied. Let's go. Uh, for what is worth, for both, Jim Johnson is thirty-sixth. So he's in oh, the top yeah. sixty. It's worth nothing. Let's continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is two to two. It comes down to the last category. Um, this is a, on Fangraphs. There's a tab called Pitch Value for. Hitters and pitchers. This one is for hitters. Pitch value is basically the best hitters against certain pitches. This is the best hitters against sliders. Um, so, Uwe, you can go first. Who do you think is the best hitter against a slider this season? Oh, I have to go first. Um, I'm going to guess Mookie Betts because that seems like a pretty good. He is nine. Okay. <laughs> cool. Farbo, um, you have eight guys to take the win. Um, um, Actually, I will say Mookie Betts is tied with two other people, so if you guess those two other people, we will. I will not say. <laughs> Darn, I thought I could do that. Um, um, the anticipation builds. Um... I don't know who's good against sliders. Uh, Alex Bregman? Alex Bregman is sixth. He is the uh, next step up from the okay. 7.5 of Mookie Betts to 7.8. Uh, so, for Rowan again, wins that game. I was and about once to again, say Trout was uh, Trout. Bravo, we'll sir. Bravo. Asterisk next to it. Mike Trout was 13th. Uh, oh, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freddie Freeman is the best. Aaron Judge, David Peralta, Xander Bogarts, Gregory Polanco, Aaron Judge. 
That is a and then, shocker to me. And then mm-hmm. tied for and then tied for seventh is Paul Goldschmidt, Medelson, and Mookie Betts. Well, See, yeah, I was about to go with my when in doubt, go with Trout, but I mean, you would have lost. But then you then you actually just pulled the right answer on instead. I get it; it's fine. Um, I see. I'm a, I'm a gracious loser today. There's no there's no contention <laughs> it's because he called you out. I'm always like this. No, no, we're fine, and we're also very much out of time. So we're gonna end off the podcast for today. Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson. Williams Ostadio has hit a walk off home run for the Minnesota Twins. That was very worth mentioning, and I wanted to make sure I I said that at some point. So. With that, thank you everybody for joining us. If you enjoyed it, rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. And check out our website, BeTheShiftBaseball.com, for all our podcasts and anything else that we got going. And you should also check out our social media, at BeTheShiftBP, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So that is it. Thank you once again. As always, Farbode. Peace.